Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Glad to be with you again today. If you haven't met you, I'm Chip Free, the lead teaching pastor here. So glad you're with us at Garfield Memorial Church. Uh, one church last week in 1,572 locations. Wow. Uh, so we're so grateful to be with you. I hope you felt the spirit of worship as we who are gathered here have felt it. Um, when the band de- de- declared our God reigns, uh, that's a rebuke on the silly kingdoms of this world. Our God has continued to be unshakable, unmovable. I heard all those things today. I hope you did too. You just saw that video. We're, um, we're, as pastors, we've been really, really united, praying for parents and students right now, uh, going back to school, going off to college. I want you to know we have been praying weekly for everyone dealing with that um, in these kind of really unprecedented times. And we want you to know that, that we're with you. So this Tuesday at 6.30, uh, we're doing a Zoom call. My wife said, do you have an expert? I'm like, no, we don't have any experts. I don't even know if there is an expert. Uh, we, what we have are, are pastors that want to pray with you. So if, if you're in that uh, situation right now with students going back to school, we just thought it might be good for parents to talk to each other um, so you know you're not alone. Uh, and we're going to do that Tuesday at 630. Just email me if you want to be in on that Zoom chat. It's just chip at garfieldchurch.org, C-H-I-P at garfieldchurch.org. I'll send you an invite. Um, but we want to pray with you. Next week, we're, we're closing out a teaching series this week, and next week, we're going to have four weeks of fun. How many, need, how many people need a little fun right now? Okay? This pandemic is really hard on yellows. You know, I'm a yellow temperament, right? I'm a life of the party, but there's no party to go to, so I'm, I'm entertaining my wife for four months. Pray for her. Um, but we're, we just want to have some fun, so we're going to end the summer at the movies, Right? They had a movie night last night at South Euclid. I heard it was amazing. I saw people sitting on top of their cars. Here's what we're going to do. For the next four weeks, each one of the teaching pastors, Scott, myself, Terry, and Pastor Steve, all four, we're going we're to pick our favorite movie of all time and preach how we see the gospel in film, okay? So it's going to be fun. Now, this is epic. You don't want to miss the e-notes. You don't want to miss Monday Musings or Faith on Fridays. Because it's going to be like radio, man. We're going to give little clues during the week. So each week, you will get the top five movies from each pastor. And if you can guess the top movie for each pastor, you're going to Disney, man. Think it. Seriously, it's going to be big. We got a big prize. So each week, make sure. And next week, Pastor Kurt, in the chat, uh, you, can, you can guess what the favorite movies is. So we're going to just, we're just going to have some fun for four weeks. I can't wait to do it. Today, we're wrapping up our teaching series on Planted. We've been looking at a, a, a study that was done years ago by Lifeway Discipleship Resources where they were looking what makes a healthy disciple of Jesus Christ. What does that look like, right? When Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, what are we supposed to make? What are we, what, how, how do we have evidence 
that we're living out a, a life that's, that's abundant in faith. And, and they found out that there were four things, there were probably 30 things, but there were four common, common threads that they said were the greatest inputs. If we planted those practices into our life, it would yield the greatest output of faith. And so we talked the first two weeks, seems pretty typical, regular worship, and reading our scriptures, you say, okay, go to church, read the Bible. It wasn't that routine. I hope you listened to those messages. It wasn't a checking a box. It was making worship part of, of who you are. As we proclaim today, our God reigns, we were centering ourselves on the reality of God, not putting anything else in that place. I'm so glad that Justin prayed that prayer today, that we would be a people of what? Of worship, applying worth to God. And not just reading the words of Scripture. The little words of Scripture have caused a lot of problems through the years because people start to worship that rather the word that became flesh. In the beginning was the word. And the word of God that comes through the words of Scripture. And in fact, we don't really read it. It reads us. We sense that we're being dealt with, right? That those two things, worship and engaging God's word. And last week, Scott nailed it when he talked about community that we're doing this thing together, right? Uh, that we're finding ways to stay together. You're worshiping with us in your homes today and other things. We're staying together. We will not allow the enemy to tear us apart. That we're together. There's a togetherness. John Wesley, who started the whole Methodist movement, said the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. We need to be together. So being in community. And today, the last thing they found, and they're not ranked, People who serve. What did Jesus say? I came not to be served, but to serve. If anybody had a right to come to be served, it would be like the author of the universe, right? But he came and said, no, I'm coming as one who serves. And discipleship resource found people that find a way to serve God's mission, not our own, an other-centered, you know, kind of lifestyle, an outward-flowing lifestyle, grew in their faith. And finding ways to serve. So I want to read the scripture today. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's familiar, uh, in, known as the sending of the 70. I'll dig into that. In chapter 9 and 10, Luke is, Jesus is doing leadership training. He preaches to his disciples in chapter 9. And then in chapter 10, he doesn't just send them out. He sends a large number out. Let's look at this scripture together uh, today. It said, after this, after he's been doing leadership training... The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. 
There's a long teaching in Luke 10, and for all of you at home and those of you who are with us today, and do some devotional reading. Go home and read the entire chapter of Luke 10 and dig into this. This is, this is Jesus' kind of uh, his test drive of his church. It's, it's sending out people to begin to live out a life of discipleship. And, and you'll see some characteristics, just four quick characteristics that I think every church could judge itself by on the way that Jesus describes his initial idea. And see, you say, well, I don't want, what's the church? I'm not even sure I believe in God. Or, look, you need to know this because the number one thing that gets in the way of people coming to Christ are Christians. <laughs> you haven't noticed that. Somebody said the number one reason people don't go to church is the people who do. Like, we can get in the way. So it's good to go back and look at the beautiful design that Jesus had for his church. Four quick characteristics. First, they're sent. They're an outward people. They're an outward living people. They're not inward. Inward focused people turn into clubs. But an outward sent people can change the world. So they're sent. They're together. Did you notice he didn't say, go out, ship, and be a lone ranger? You know, Pastor Lori, go, go lead a revival. He didn't say it. He sent them out what? Two by two in pairs. They're to be together. We're not supposed to do this thing by ourselves, right? When I talk about my wife and I say my wife and I are teammates in ministry, that's not just a cute... What was that? What was that? That voice just now. What was it? We didn't hear anything. All right. Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We're glad you're with us today. One church, and we don't know how many locations anymore. One week it was 1,872. Uh, I'm loving this. I think the church is getting back to what it's supposed to be, that we're in church all the time. So we're glad you're worshiping with us. We are in our teaching series, The Gospel in Film. We're having some fun as we're ending the uh, summer. Each one of our teaching pastors is taking their top five movies, and people are guessing what is their favorite. Well, the cat's out of the bag. 
Um, and after Pastor Scott was reading the role, we had three more people nail me. Two of our youth got me. But the movie, I had some five greatest, but my favorite I can't get away from is Field of Dreams. If you build it, he will come. That's an iconic um, line from a movie that's been used in many, many different ways. If you know anything about the movie, Kevin Costner plays a young man. He's married, he has a young child, and he has, he's decided what he wants to be when he grows up. How many people are still looking to figure out what that is? I, you know, it took me a while too. But he finds it, he's going to become a farmer in Iowa uh, with his wife and his young daughter. He's gonna learn to grow corn. He's arrived, right? He's, he's found his place in life. And then comes a voice, and it wrecks everything. And where do I see the gospel in film there? The fact that we are all called. See, Kevin Costner, he has a very fractured relationship with his dad. It runs through the whole movie. And this calling comes for him to tear up his corn and build a baseball field, much to the amusement of everyone around him. In fact, if, uh, if you, know, you, you know that that field is still there today, if it hadn't been for COVID-19, Major League Baseball was going to play on that field this year. But he dug it up, and he built a field in this fractured relationship with his dad. They were both baseball fans, and uh, his father's favorite baseball player was Shoeless Joe Jackson. If you remember the 1919 World Series, the Chicago White Sox, eight of them were accused of throwing the series, and they were banished from baseball for life. And Kevin Costner, Ray, in the movie, gets this feeling that if he builds his field, if he answers this call, that his dad's hero, whose dad is now dead, his hero will come back and experience redemption and renewal in some kind of way. And he does it. And it reminds me in life, all of us have been called. This morning at our nine o'clock service, we sang a song that said, uh, thou hast made us, thine we are. Thou hast loved us, thine we are. Vondra uh, began this service singing what? You're the reason we're here. I think sometimes we kind of flip that. We say, you know, we have found you. <laughs> uh, we're the reason we came. And we think it's kind of up to us. The truth is we've been called for. This is where religion gets really, really troublesome. Now, I respect all world religions, but I don't even think Christianity is a religion. You've heard me say that many times. In fact, it's not. Um, but all the religions say what? They say whether it's uh, Moses or Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius, really smart people. I learn a lot from their teachings, right? But they all say, look, here's my teachings. Here's the rules. Here's the Venn diagram. Here's the five pillars. Here's the 10 steps. Follow these and you will find God. But Jesus Christ shows up and says, I am God, come to find you. See, when we talk about finding God, we talk about God like God is lost. And the truth, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. We're the lost. And we've been found and we've been called and there's a calling that comes into our life. Um, I had a wonderful faith on Friday this past week. If you've not been tuning in, you're missing some really great people we've been uh, interviewing at five o'clock on Fridays. You can watch him on demand. But we had Harry Lee in. He's the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Little Rock, very diverse church. And Harry's been there for 18 years, but this is the first time I heard his call story. And Harry, uh, he was the son of Chinese immigrants. His parents came to America to go to college. And that was back, I think, in the 40s when the Chinese Revolution took place. And the United States would not allow um, Chinese people who were educated in America to go back 
They weren't, didn't want to send Western ideas back to a communist country. So they were stuck here for life. And his dad went on and got a PhD in uh, engineering. And Harry went on and got a PhD in engineering. And he got from Michigan. I forgave him for that. Our outreach director just threw something at the TV. Um, but he got a PhD from the University of Michigan. He was an engineer, chemical engineer for NASA, living in Idaho. But he said, Jesus got a hold of my heart. Then I, I never knew Jesus. I didn't know anything. Got hold of my heart. I started reading the scripture. I couldn't put it down, and I felt like I was being called. I didn't know what to, but I was being called. And he said uh, he went to Little Rock and he heard my friend Mark Demas share a vision for a new kind of church—a church that actually looked like heaven, a Revelation seven nine church where every tongue, tribe, and nation would come together. Not a white church, not a black church, not a Korean church, not a Republican church, not a Democratic church, not a liberal church, not a conservative church, a Revelation 7-9 church. And Harry said, when I heard that vision, I couldn't sleep for weeks. Because he'd been called. That's what Paul talks about when you read. I love the book of Acts. I don't know. We've settled for so little and called it church. We've settled for so little and call it faith. I want to get back in action on the adventure those guys were in, chasing chariots and handling jailbreaks and sneaking over walls and having the Holy Spirit come down like fire. Back in the book of Acts, it didn't say they were filled with religion. It said they were filled with the Spirit of God. And it was fun. You know, it was exciting. It was dangerous. But that's cool. They had a mission. They had a purpose. And at the end of his life, Paul has to give a defense for his faith. And you read about it in, in, at the end of Acts. He does like a before and after story, right? His before story, we have the first slide. His before story he talks about um, in Acts 22, 3 and 4. He says, look, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus and Cilicia. Tarsus was a very high merchant city. Cilicia with the Cilician gates where trade went into, the, into Asia Minor. He would, I was, but I was brought up in this city. What city? Jerusalem. He's speaking in Jerusalem. At the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was like... The Billy Graham, T.D. Jakes of the first century rabbis. He was like it, man. Educated strictly according to our ancestral law. Being zealous for God, right? Just as all of you are, I persecuted this way. See, they weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way because Christianity was never a religion. Up to the point of death. I belonged to the strictest test of religion. I lived as a Pharisee in Jerusalem with authority. Received the chief priest, not only many of the saints in prison, but I also cast my vote. He even voted the right way. Imagine that, when they were being condemned to death. He's saying, this is who I, I had it going on, man. I mean, I was, he was wealthy. You say, how do you know? He was a Roman citizen. Do you know in the Roman Empire, only 10% of the people that lived in the Roman Empire were citizens? You had to be wealthy. You had to be connected. It was a who's who. He was religious. He was zealous for God. He, he was trained in the, with Gamaliel. He went to Harvard. Like H-A-R would it be, A-R-D, oh yeah, we used to make fun of them from Colgate. Anyhow, it's a long joke, uh, I'm back. But anyhow, he had all this going on, but he said, watch this next slide at the end. He said, that's who I was, but while I was on my way, heading into a city in Syria, Damascus, all of a sudden, I heard a voice, said to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, who you're persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice. <laughs> Do you hear that in that first opening scene, right? Of the one who was speaking to me. What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus. There you'll be told everything that has been assigned for you to do. We all have an assignment. 
And that change, multiple assignments through the, through the time. See, we've been called for. You didn't decide to find God. You didn't decide what church to settle in. You didn't decide. You know, we may decide our, our education, our careers. But in building this kingdom of God, we've been called. We've been assigned. You say, what does that look like, Chip? Does that mean everybody's got to leave Nassau and go be a pastor? No. But you ever have somebody come into your mind? You know, you're thinking about them, and maybe that's your assignment. You ever got passionate about something, an issue, uh, a, a community, a neighborhood? That's your assignment. It happened to me two weeks ago. I left church. It was two Sundays ago. I went home. I was tired. I preached you know, in the morning. And this, I was hot. I was bothered. I, you know, the problem right now with COVID-19 for pastors and pray for pastors out there, we never know when to lay it down. So like my wife's been yelling at me, it's 1130 at night and I'm still working on my laptop because there's just no boundaries. There's no hours. I was tired, and I said, I'm going to practice good self-care. Yeah, joke. I'm going to go home and get in my pool, right? And I went home, I jumped in the pool, and I sat there, and I said, Lord, I don't want to think about church. I don't want to think about ministry. I just want to chill out. And sat there, and all of a sudden, somebody from this church community came into my mind who I have not talked to for like three years. And I was like, no, Lord, I don't want to talk. I don't want to think about that. They're okay. I'll pray for them. Done. Wouldn't leave my mind. So I got to the edge of the pool, and I grabbed my cell phone. I'm not smart. Like, that's not a good children, anybody, don't do that. Don't use your cell phone. And I just called the bro. And I said, hey, man, I don't know what it is. You're on my mind. And he said, I cannot believe you called me just now. And he told me, you know, what a crisis their business was in that he owned. And uh, he had just prayed, trying to figure out what he should do. And he said, then my phone rings, is this my pastor? That was my assignment at that moment. What's yours? That's what we're called to find out, right? And then this next thing we want to show you is the next clip is that as Kevin Coster finds his assignment, here's a call, he's on the mission, he's led to go to Boston to meet with a writer, an African-American writer who was a very activist, he'd be with Black Lives Matter, he, he would be with the you know, causes of peace and justice in the world, he's a righteous man, but he, but he didn't know him. Right? But he's supposed to go find him for whatever reason. He's supposed to go find him. And he's supposed to take him to a baseball game. It's James Earl Jones. I love me some James Earl Jones. And look at the scene when he takes James Earl Jones to the baseball game. See that? See what? I'm sorry, I guess you didn't have to be here. What? Whenever you want to go, we can go. Fine, let's go.
is it you're not telling me? I've already taken up too much of your time. I wish I had your passion, Ray. Misdirected though it might be, it is still a passion. I used to feel that way about things, but... You got another message, didn't you? You think I'm crazy? I already think you're crazy. What did it say? It said the man's done enough. Leave him alone. Graham. You saw it. Saw so what? You saw it. New York Giants, 1922. He played one game. He never got to bat. You saw it. What did I see, Ray? So Chisholm, Minnesota. God damn it, man. We were the only ones who saw it. Did you hear the voice, too? It's all right to admit it. It's what told me to find you. Did you, did you hear it? Go the distance. Yes. Do you know what it means? Yes. What? It means we're going to Minnesota to find Moonlight Graham. We're going. We? I must be out of my mind. <laughs> I love that. Uh, here, suddenly, we discover the next message is we're called, but we're also called into a community of other people who've been called to. See, when I said a couple of weeks ago when I preached on Luke 10, Jesus never sends us out alone. He sends us out on what? Two by twos. There's joy in finding community and others who've heard the voice as well. Did you see Kevin Costner's relief at that moment? Yes! <laughs> Finally, I've encountered somebody that knows this voice. I mean, Harry Lee and I on Faith on Friday, who I described to you about, we've known each other for five years. We never had a conversation. This past week, he and I teamed up to teach a mega church in Indianapolis some of the principles of the multi-ethnic church. It was the first time we'd done that uh, on, together. We spent that much time. Then we did Faith on Friday. And we were talking to each other. As if you watch it, we are like teared up and everything. We were talking to each other like long-lost brothers. Guess what? Because we were. When you hear the call and you get involved with people, you're not to go this alone. You're to get in the community. I think of Elijah. Elijah was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Like he did more miracles than Moses or anybody else. Beat the prophets up on, uh, up on Mount Carmel. If you travel to Israel with us, man, we go up to Mount Carmel. It's an amazing place. But a, f- a few weeks later, he's ready to kill himself. And he ends up in a cave. Do you remember the story? And, and, and he, God shows up at the cave. But he doesn't show up the way that you would expect God to show up. Because it said the earthquake came, the fire came, the wind came, but God was not in it. Guess what? Up to that point in the life of Israel, when God showed up, he showed up as an earthquake or with fire or with a wind. He didn't show up in traditional ways. So just because you didn't hear a voice in a cornfield in Iowa does not mean you've not been called. Or like Paul on the road to Damascus. But watch this story. It says when God showed up, he spoke the old King James, you remember this, in a still, small voice. That's actually a terrible translation. In the Hebrew, you know what it says? That God spoke to him in sheer silence, right? And, and what did he say to Elijah? He said, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? 
And look what Elijah said. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Sound familiar? Like Paul? And I alone am left. I'm the only one that votes the right way. I'm the only one taking a stand for God. Like if God needs me to take a stand for him, he is in trouble. And what does God say to him? Look at this. The Lord said to him, go get back up on your way. Because there are 7,000 others just like you who have not bowed down to Baal. Get back in the game. We're called to be in community. We're not called to do this thing alone, right? So I, I don't care. You know, we've been talking about in this movie series, C.S. Lewis said, all the great stories point to the greatest story. And I love C.S. Lewis. He said, I, when I was a young man, I didn't want to be caught reading fairy tales. But now that I'm 50, I read them in public. Because all the great stories point to the greatest stories. So what about Robin Hood, right? A great hero on a quest, but he needed little John and he needed the merry man. What about Frodo Baggins, right? Given the ring, he's got to save the world, but he goes with three other hobbits and an elf and a dwarf and a guy that doesn't even know he's king. And what about Luke Skywalker, the Jedi, the only one left, but he needs Leia and he needs Hans and he needs Chewie or he's not going to get to the end of the journey. But what about that little wooden puppet that was trying to become a boy? And even he needed an insect, a, a cricket named Jiminy, right? We don't do this thing alone. We're called into this community of the calling. You know what? God had an idea for that. You know what it was called? His church. The church was supposed to be the dream machine. It was supposed to be a, a, a launching in, the, in a mission and a ministry, but it's become this kind of thing. It's a, you know, a, a, you worship, you know what's going to happen before you get there, and you, we pray monotonous prayers, and we're so far off course. Why? Because Jesus says to Peter in Luke chapter 5, when Peter's out all night fishing and he's caught nothing, and Jesus says, get back in the game. Peter goes, no, I'm tired. I can't fish. And he says, that's because you're fishing in shallow water. He said, go out deeper. And that's the problem with the church. Too many times we're fishing in shallow water. We're thinking shallow thoughts. We're hanging around with shallow people. And we need to get out deeper. And we need to go further. And we need to go to Minnesota and find Moonlight Graham. And he may be a 12-year-old in South Euclid or a 72-year-old in Sugarham Falls. But he's lonely and he's hurting and he doesn't know what his purpose is. And God has sent you and you and you and me to be on that mission. I don't know how many are you out there this morning. It might be two. It might be 2,000. Our number's all over the book. You know, Garfield Memorial Church, before this thing started, we were 1,200 members. And I don't know, maybe we're 150 members now. Maybe God's thinned the herd because I don't care anymore. I want to be like Gideon. I want to get in that number with people who are not playing church anymore and placating people and caving into political persuasions. But I want to get out there and be in this community of the called. So God wants you to, too. So maybe in your kitchen today, maybe in your living room, if you're driving, please pull over. But stand up and recommit yourself to this. Recommit yourself to the mission of God, to the call. So two more scenes and I'm done. Here's what can derail the mission. Just at this moment, James Earl Jones, Kevin Costner, they're making it happen. But this little spirit creeped into Kevin Costner, and it can creep into you, and it can creep into me, and it will derail God's mission. Look at the clip. Ray, we're going to call it a day. See you tomorrow. Okay. All right. Hey, do you want to come with us? You mean it? No, not you. Him. 
Him? Come with you? Out there. What is out there? Come and find out. Wait a second. Wait a second. Why him? I built this field. You wouldn't be here Great. if it weren't for me. That's well, it. you wouldn't be here I'm if it weren't. Attached. You have a family. I know, but I want to know what's out there. I want to see it. But you're not invited. Not invited? What do you mean I'm not invited? That's my corn out there. You guys are guests in my corn. Ray. No, wait. I have done everything I've been asked to do. I didn't understand it, but I've done it. And I haven't once asked what's in it for me. What are you saying, Ray? I'm saying, what's in it for me? Is that why you did this? For you? I think you better stay here, Ray. Why? Ray, there was a reason they chose me, just as there was a reason they chose you in this field. Why? I gave an interview. What What interview? What are you talking about? The one about Ebbets Field, the one that charged you up and sent you all the way to Boston to find me. You lied to me. Well, you were kidnapping me at the time, you big jerk. Well, you lied to me. You said your finger was a gun. That's a good point. Ray. Ray. Listen to me, Ray. Listen to me. There is something out there, Ray. And if I had the courage to go through with this, what a story it'll make. Shoeless Joe Jackson comes to Iowa. What, are you going to write about it? What? You better write about it. You're going to write about it. That's what I do. See, this is the spirit that derails the mission. That's why I call it the derailment of the mission. And the spirit is what? What's in it for me? That's the spirit that sneaks in. It snuck into Peter. We got a, a slide up there, Matthew 19, 27. Jesus is teaching about how difficult the ministry is. And Peter says in reply, look, we have left everything, houses, families, wealth, and followed you. What? What then will we have? What's in it for me? You know what Jesus does? He never answers this question. He goes, and? And he starts talking about the mission. He puts it back up higher and reminds him of the great purpose. See, selfishness and self-fairness and little wounded feelings, when that sneaks in, it'll derail you. John Wooden is the winningest basketball coach in history. I love the man. Read everything he ever wrote. And he used to tell his players two words, be selfless. And a reporter asked him one time, why don't you just tell them not to be selfish? He said, because I won't even say the word. Don't let it creep in. Satan had said, tempted Jesus and then departed until an opportune time. What was his opportune time? When Judas had an attitude, where he didn't like the alabaster box, it wasn't his perspective, it wasn't his agenda. He got mad and Satan jumped in and poisoned the water hole. And he'll do it, he did it to him, and he'll do it to you, and he'll do it to me if we forget the derailment of what's in it for me. So as Kevin Costner felt the call, got into the community, fought through that moment as you saw with his friend, and if you're having a what's in it for me moment, would you get with a, another Christian brother or sister and have some accountability for yourself and talk it through like they did, and you work it out, 
And after they did that and Kevin Costner had that, he experienced what I call the six R's of new life. There are six R's of new life. Here they are, ready? If you're taking notes at home, repent, renew, redeem, reconcile, and receive the power of that sixth R, the resurrection. Repent, what? It's facing our failures. The disciples, when they were in it for me and they were arguing about who's the greatest, they didn't even know who Jesus was. But after the resurrection, when they could face their failures, now God could use them. And Kevin Costner said a horrible thing to his dad and never spoke to his dad again. And he confessed it and he faced it and he repented. And then he renewed. See, God always allows for U-turns. Isn't that a good thing? Right, right? Even in Lamentations, Lamentations in the Bible was the de- most devastating time in Israel's history. You think COVID-19 is bad. Uh, you know, you think racism is bad. They're horrible. They're evil. They're terrible things. We're living through terrible days. Jerusalem was going through all that and then some. And Jeremiah's lamenting. He's crying out. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit jumped on him and they said, but morning by morning, new mercies I see. See, God can renew us and give us new passion and new dreams and new hopes. And then we experience redemption, we redeem. As Kevin Costner doing this in his character, he's feeling the forgiveness of God. He's, he's, he's overcome by purpose again. And he goes to that four-hour, reconciled. Reconciled to God, reconciled to the voice, reconciled one to another. And as you're going to see in just a minute, even reconciled with his dad. And at that moment, when all that happens, we receive the power of his resurrection. Look what happens to Kevin Costner at the end of the journey. Watch this. Bye. What? <laughs> what are you grinning at, you ghost? If you build it, He will come. As we answer this call, we experience those six R's. We experience purpose and, and meaning in our lives. Hope, the answer to everything we've hoped for and we've been dreaming for, we find it when we receive, answer the call to Jesus, to something more. See, if you read Hebrews 11, there's a roll call to all the saints and said, yeah, they were good people. They were established. If you think, well, I, I was called earlier, but it's too late for me now. Talk to Abraham and Sarah, right? They were in their retirement home. Everything was done. Their stocks were taken care of. But everybody, 
Hebrews 11 gives a roll call of people who were called to something bigger. And it says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because they were looking for a better city and a better country. I don't know about you, but I'm still looking for it. And I'm still working for it. And I'll die trying to get it. He said, all these received their blessings from afar because they were looking for a city, a country whose builder and architect was God. Kevin Costner was asked, what made Field of Dreams such a major hit? It wasn't a big-budget film. He said, because we found out, and I found out, it was a film that made grown men cry. Which says there's a lot of people out there, a lot of sons and fathers, who aren't doing too well. But it also says that for all of us, there's something that's broken. There's something that needs reconciled. And at the end of the movie, when Kevin Costner's dad just have a catch, we find out it's not that hard to take a step toward our destiny because all of us have this yearning. This is what's been keeping you up. This is what some of us are medicating over, self-medicating or, or over-exercising or whatever, trying to drown it out, but you can't let it go because there's a yearning in all of us. Just like in Lord of the Rings, not in the movie, but in the book, one of the little hobbits asks Gandalf the wizard and says, Gandalf, Are all the sad things becoming untrue? Pastor Lori is going to close us now in prayer. But as we pray, this is why we cry. This is why we work. This is why we commit. This is why we come into a community of the church and we move together and we encourage one another and we pick each other up when we fall because we got to go out there and reach the Moonlight Grams and the, and the Terrence Manns and the Ray Kinsellas and all those that are representing the movies who are sharing and hurting with what we are calling in our vision team a common brokenness that can only be healed through the love of God who came to find us. I hope you receive that today. That's why Field of Dreams is my favorite movie. And if you answer the call and you move into the community, you'll find out that day by day all your hurts will be healed and you'll find new love and even new life and it'll grow. I hope you receive that. Let's let Pastor Lori seal what we've done today in prayer.